Welcome back to Call and Shots, folks. I'm Seth Partnow. I am joined in a role reversal by someone who's had me on his uh, his his own podcast, Combos Corner. Uh, I don't know, about four times now. I want to say, uh, yeah, got to be four times. We get better yeah. every time, too, Seth. It's always great having you on the show, man. Yeah, uh, but Andrew uh, a- Andrew Combo Salop. First of all, where does the name Combo come from? I've been wondering about this basically since we met. I mean, a lot of people think it's because I was a combo guard, but it's a really silly story. When I was in uh, third grade, I said my brain was half fungus and half real brain, and I have a combo brain. And uh, <laughs> it's like a ridiculous story, but I was in third grade. You say ridiculous things when you're in third grade. And I actually never I actually never really tell this story. This is probably the first time because I'm like, it's too ridiculous. I don't even want to talk about it. But, that, but that's really how it started, man. And uh, But a lot of people think it's like, some people who don't know me think it's because, like, I box. Like, I have a combo. No. Do I like McDonald's? No. Like, those are all the silly questions. But most people think it's because I was a combo guard. So sometimes I just rolled with that. But, yeah, yeah that's the real story, Seth. So you got it right here. <laughs> that's, so, I mean, considering you're in third grade, I think you came off lucky that, that they went with combo instead of, like, <laughs> fungus head or something like that. <laughs> true, true. I got lucky. I got lucky. And it definitely stuck. I mean, yeah. look, I'm, I'm in my 30s now, and uh, they still call me that. <laughs> so... Let, let, back here, so I'm glad you went back to when you were in grade school because I wanted to, you know, you've 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 played around the world, and and so I kind of wanted to, you know, start asking by, you know, you know where you're from, how'd you come up in basketball, and where'd you end up? Yeah, so I mean, it all started for me when I was seven, I guess around that time when uh, I became combo, right? But just you know, I I just had like an obsession with basketball from the first day I touched it, like just hours and hours shooting and shooting and playing. And as I grew up in New York City, um, I grew up in the Riverdale section of the Bronx, which is like upper middle class Jewish section of the Bronx. But um, as I started playing basketball through the years, just you know, finding different places to play um, all over New York City, and uh, that's really how I came up, you know going to tougher neighborhoods and playing, finding the best competition, being the only white Jewish kid around and just playing up through the ranks and uh, in all it's, different uh, kinds of places. It might not be the same thing, but uh, it, it, I have similar experiences in Anchorage, Alaska. Probably okay. not. <laughs> at, least, at least part of it, at least like the, the, the only white Jewish kid, but, but maybe not the, uh, the, the rest of the, the, the New York City experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean... What, I mean, that must have been a totally different situation in, uh, in Alaska. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. So I'll tell you a story. We used, there's a downtown in Anchorage. There's um, it's called the Park Strip. It's a strip of parkland, obviously. And and in there, there's these there's these outdoor courts that actually have like hockey boards around the outside because during the winter they flood them and it becomes an outdoor outdoor like hockey rink. Um, but this is right in the middle of downtown and. Because it stays late, so late during the summer in Alaska, like the cops would used to come and tell us to, hey, go home. There's people who live along here who are hearing you guys playing. We, what, what are you talking about? It's like 10 at night. It's like, no, it's one thirty in the morning. And we had just been playing and playing and playing and not really realized how late it had gotten. Because you can't really tell for, you know, you know July, August in, 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 in Anchorage. Right. So that's, that, that's, that, that's a lot of, that, you know. I didn't, there was probably only about one summer where I played there regularly, but still, that, that was. I mean, what? I mean, how, what do summers and winters not to not to shift the whole uh, thing to Alaska, no. but like like summers and winters? What does that look like in Alaska? Uh, so, um, first of all, the the biggest thing is just like the the seasonal light thing. Like, there's if you ever saw the movie Insomnia, okay. where uh, like Al Pacino goes up, he's a detective who goes up to Alaska and he kind of loses his mind because he can never get to sleep. Because it's daylight twenty four hours a day, um, mm. it's not quite. It's not quite that in Anchorage is far enough south that it's not quite that uh-huh. bad. You go further north, you go further north, and it's really like during the summer it is daylight for twenty four hours. It gets right. dusky in Anchorage for a little bit of time, um, and then weather wise, you know, a night a hot day would be like eighty. Oh wow! I think it. I didn't yeah, know. It I think like the that la- I didn't know it gets like that in Alaska. Yeah, but that's like that's like that's like a that's like a it's so hot I can't move like you know <laughs> okay, a nice okay. day like a nice day is like 72 or something like that uh, there's been a couple times in Anchorage where it's gotten up to 90 in the last couple of years uh, you go you go up to the interior a little bit it actually can break 100 um, wow in, like, global like warming that. man huh yeah well no it's just also <laughs> just because you're getting so much sunlight that it's just uh, okay. it's hot and it's not on the water so it's 
Yeah. Um, and then in the winter, though, it's the it's like the winter. I you know I live in the I've lived in the Midwest for a while. Lived in Minnesota, now in Milwaukee, and like the temperature isn't that much different. Uh, it's just darker, and it's winter for about a month longer on either end. So it's like you know in here in you know in in Milwaukee, might spring might start in like early April. Um, uh, there's probably you know I, I I was born at the end of March and there were multiples like there were snow days on my birthday multiple times and like in wow. even like, like like growing up so that's I don't know that's um, and for, so from a f- sports standpoint like basketball is actually pretty big in Alaska especially in like rural communities because it's a small you know it's like small town Indiana kind of it's like there's not that many kids you, don't, you but you don't need a, you don't need a ton of people and you don't need a ton, a ton of equipment you just need a gym and a ball. Um, yeah, so, I feel like basketball is bigger in so many areas than people might think it would be. You know, yeah. uh, there's there's a there's a uh, they did it like a thirty for thirty short uh, a couple of years ago. Oh, really? On on a kid from I forget exactly where he was from. Trajan Langdon? No, I actually, <laughs> I, I went to high school with Trajan actually. Um, oh, okay, okay. Uh, but but um, no, a kid from I think he was from Barrow. I don't remember off the top of my head now, but he was he was a kid who was a. Uh, he, he was all he. His two kind of passions were like Alaskan Native drumming, and he was also like one of the best players on like a you know a state title for a state small school title like contention level basketball team. Oh, wow. And it's it's called I Am Yupik, and it it sort of follows. It, it's a short about like his senior year. It's really it's it's really pretty moving. I think you can find it somewhere. I think it's about a twenty or thirty minute doc. Um, and I, I love actually, I love the thirty for thirties. Yeah. yeah I like I actually through you know previous life I'd actually worked with the kid in in a, in a, in a program that like an education program that I worked on. Nonetheless, so that's that's uh, <laughs> a, a quick divergence into you know growing up in Alaska and, and the state of hoops up there. Um, it's actually decent players coming out of there now, but they all like anyone at this point anyone who shows like promise usually moves to the lower forty eight. You know, it's been like early. it's been like that in New York lately, actually, yeah. which is kind of weird. Like, I know you saw that the point guards thing came out recently yeah. and yep. there was better point guards back then because people stayed in New York once they got good. Yeah. You know, it's not like that anymore. So, yeah, that's interesting. No, it's like, I mean, uh, uh, like uh, uh, Dasha Nix um, moved down to Vegas when he was uh, uh, in eighth grade. Um, yeah. Um, JT Thor uh, spent most of his, his his like early years in Anchorage, um, and, and uh, uh, um, Kameka Hepa, who went to Texas, and then I forgot where he transferred. Like went was actually from uh, it's like one of the furthest north places, like inhabited places in the world. It's, it's called uh, Ukiavik. It used to be uh, used to be Barrow. They changed the name a couple years ago, um, and he he moved down to he moved down to Portland in like his sophomore year, and then got a got a got a ride to. To Texas, as you can imagine, what a you know a town of five thousand people, like uh, you know a six eight athlete, like right. what what he does in like r- rural like rural competition. So yeah, right. anyway, right. we we have we have we've digressed and we're doing your pod now <laughs> instead of mine. So you 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 grew up in New York. You were I mean was it was it you know was it AEU was it blacktop like what? Yeah, so like the New York City culture is especially in the summers like you play in these outdoor tournaments where all the best players would play. And I know you probably heard of Rucker Park, but it's which which I ended up playing in as I got older and tournaments like that. But there's just a lot of that in New York City. And then once you play at one and people like the way you play, you go to another and you kind of build up like a street ball name. Right. While you play in high school, while you play in college, even while you play overseas and pro basketball. (laughs) So that's that's the culture of New York City. Like street ball is a huge part of my background, which like when I do these podcasts and people ask me about it, I like somehow like leave that part out when it's such a big part of um what i did and there's nothing like it really like the energy around it it's kind of hard to explain how new york city street ball is unless you're actually there either playing in it or watching it so that's a huge part of like how i grew up now i was i've been thinking about this a little because they just did a rewatchable spot on above the rim and uh oh wow yeah classic yeah, and, and and Waz was was talking about was talking a lot about this because he's 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 from New York City, so he was he was talking about a lot of this the similar stuff. And I just want to point out again, you got lucky with combo instead of fungus head because if, like you know <laughs> putting those if like you know the the announcer probably would not have had much uh, mercy on you. Well, the interesting is thing is is like 
they'll they'll call you by your nickname, but then they'll like make up uh, all kinds of nicknames for you as you go down through the line. So, but combo stuck the most. So, yeah, that's interesting. I'm glad they didn't call me fungus. Head. <laughs> <laughs> so, be, be very very different different path. So, uh, so from there, like I, I like you know that that's sort of one avenue of basketball. But then there's right. sort of the the the, the the structure of basketball. Like, what well, were you progressing in that area as well? Yeah. So, I mean, I went to a few different high schools. Like, it started out with private school in the uh, in the New York City area, and I actually like ended up going to a few high schools for basketball reasons. Jumping around um, was actually really like I played varsity as a tenth grader in New York City public school, which is you know it's a pretty big deal because those those schools are like five thousand kids, you know. And in my public school, I was like the only one of the only white kids in the school. So, like, I was good, but at that point, I was only, like, 5'8". Like, I had a really late growth spurt later on. So, I left that public school, went to prep school. Um, I started growing, and, like, my my height started to catch up. My height and athleticism started to catch up to my skill level, which I kind of always had good feel for the game and skill, even as a smaller player. And um, But school was never my thing, Seth, so I took the JUCO route, and... Um, You'll find this interesting. Like, I feel like the Juco style of play was closer to what they're doing now than ever. Like, I remember going out West because I played Division One Juco for Westchester back then. Going out West, like, everybody was shooting a whole bunch of threes and just running up and down the court. There was, like, hardly any posted up. They were just jacking up threes. So, it's uh, it was, like, a great way to play basketball, you know, and I was all region there, and that went great, but you could jump in whenever you're ready, Seth. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I was going to say, I was going to say my, uh, like, a uh, 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 college teammate of mine uh, transferred from, uh, his, his dad was the coach at a small JUCO in Minnesota, and right. he, he was always, he's a very good player, and he had, like, you know, highlight tapes from, you know, from his, and th- this was, like, we actually went and, went and saw his, his old team play in, like, a, in like the the JUCO NCAA tournament, and they were they were running up and down, jacking threes like right. Said. It was it was it was a um, it was a very modern style even in the in the, the late nineties. Definitely, it was totally different, and you know, especially out in out west, like those teams were just jacking. And I mean, people, I feel like JUCO talent level at the highest levels doesn't get the credit it deserves because it's it's really close. I mean. It was basically Division One level, just there wasn't as many bigs, right? Like, there was a lot of, like, really good high-level guards. But, um, you know, so school wasn't my thing, so I, I really didn't have – like, I had scholarship offers to, you know, some Division One schools, and the the grades, it it, uh, it wasn't going well <laughs> with the grades. Seth. I was super focused on basketball. So I decided to take an alternative route, and I played in the good old ABA. I don't know what you know about the ABA. Do you know anything about it, Seth? I mean, I know that I know that the, the red, white, and blue ball ABA, but I think yes. it's not the one you're talking about. No, it's no, not. I mean, like they, the, actually, they actually did use the red, white, and blue. Ball okay, but uh, no, I was thinking of like the about. I was thinking of like the the, the you know the uh, the Doctor J <laughs> version of it. Right. You know, the, so they tried to recreate that. Yeah. Actually, Dennis Rodman played in it. Like the ABA, I played in. Dennis Rodman actually played in it after his NBA career to like, I think it was like the inaugural season of the new ABA. Like you would see a lot of like older NBA talents. And then like a lot of guys who played at division one level, it was kind of like, you know, before the G league, right. It, this was like the beginning of the G league. So the G okay. league wasn't as developed. So a lot of guys would play in like the CBA and the right, ABA right. and the league in Canada. So I played in the ABA, which was a great experience. I actually played for Teresa Witherspoon, who's on uh, the Pelican staff. Okay. now. So like, you know, that was like my introduction to uh, pro basketball. And like, I got to travel to Singapore and, and uh, Canada. And it was really crazy. Like, <laughs> just... you know, a, a lot, a, I mean, great guys in the ABA, like a lot of like, there's a lot of knuckleheads too, you know, like guys that should be playing somewhere, but you know, there's reasons why they're playing right. there, you know? <laughs> right. No, I just, I was, I was amused by like, the juxtaposition between Singapore and Canada was, I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that's cool. So, so, you know, fast forward to, to how, do, how does one get from sort of playing at that level to, you know, at a certain point, like you, you mentioned you're in your, your 30s, and at a certain point the uh, mind is willing and the flesh is, is maybe less so. Um, <laughs> like, like how did how do you go from there to sort of uh, you know still being involved in the game and, and 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 things like that? Well, yeah, I mean from there, like 
an agent somehow saw my highlight tape from the ABA and took me to Israel, which kind of started a, you know, an eight or nine year overseas career in Israel. In Denmark, I played a year, which was really fun. So that experience with like everything at Juco and my years in streetball and my years in the ABA, I think gave me like a really um, interesting perspective when it comes to the game, because like overseas basketball and streetball are like the polar opposite, especially right. at that point. <laughs> and, and when I got overseas, it was like the real overseas, like the, the end of the real overseas. Cause like my first year, they had the trapezoid lane and like that funky three point line. That was like a little bit longer than the old college line. So I really seen it all. And when I got there, I noticed like, Guys were shooting off the wrong leg, and I never seen that before. Even though we see funky leg layups all the time now, so you know, dudes would get uh, tapped on a foul and fall to the floor like it was soccer. So this was like a whole new world for me, and it was totally different than um, USA basketball. So I think all of that gives me an interesting perspective on the game, and obviously, the ability to live in foreign countries for nine, ten years was an incredible experience. But at the end of that. You know, I wanted to get into play-by-play and broadcasting, and the best way to do that was to start a podcast. So that's what I did, and I learned a lot over the years of the podcast by having guests such as yourself. Like, so that even makes my perspective even more interesting, and just taking in these conversations plus my kind of weird basketball journey. <laughs> so let me let me ask a little bit about you know I think we there's still it, like the the uh, overseas gyms are still pretty intense, but the time period yeah. we're talking about like. I imagine you've seen some shit in terms yeah, of, of crowd like, behavior, shall we say. Yeah, I can't even get into the worst of it probably on the <laughs> podcast. But, you know, like it's constant drums, constant stopping of the game because they have to sweep the floor from like whatever they're throwing on the floor. It's like you know, coins, cigarettes, oh, flares. Everything. I mean, I wasn't in the building for this one, but there was like a little pipe bomb in one of them, you know, um, that you could probably find somewhere on YouTube, you know. Man, you you definitely deal with some really interesting experiences overseas. I played with a really big club. No, actually, I guess I'm calling them out during the NBA lockout year where we had, you know, about eight guys with NBA experience. Uh, one of them was actually Avery Bradley who came to the team for a little bit. But, like, I had the experience on that team of, you know, not getting paid for months and having to leave the team and then having to go to court. And, you know, it's like it's just all kinds of interesting experience. Even in practice, um, the bomb – Alarm went off, and we had to run into into um, shelters. It, it was crazy, Seth. Like too many crazy stories. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that is a you know um, by comparison, like my basketball experience is much more sanitized than that. <laughs> you know, the, the 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 these are not things that necessarily happen in in you know an NBA practice facility or or arena. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, no, it was crazy, man. So I saw some crazy stuff out there. That's for sure. Yeah. So you so you started the pod, and about about when was that? End of 2017. Like I actually Man, thought about you, it. You've like, been doing this for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I think December 2017 was my first one, if I'm not mistaken. I thought I was doing it a long time, but hey, you know what? I, I agree with you. And then I had Je Skeets on. Oh and he man, was telling, he was telling me he did, was doing it since 2007. Yeah, yeah. where were we invented podcasts? Where were you listening? Like, people didn't have iPhones. Where were you listening to these podcasts? Like, were you going to a library? <laughs> no, you, you, you'd go, like, you'd go and, like, I think you'd go and, like, like there'd be, like, a window you'd pull up on, like, Yahoo or something like that to do it. Cause we, Crazy. Because I was, I was on a message board where we listened to the Basketball Jones, like, you know, a lot. And, wow. Yeah. And it was eerie. It was before there were, like, podcast apps or stuff like that. So you had to, you had to, you had to effort to, to go listen to stuff then and, like, put, putting out yes. content at that, like, at that frequency, it's like... Right. But if you were doing it, you were at yeah. a tremendous advantage, right? Yeah. You started before everybody else. <laughs> yeah. And, and, they're, and they're, they're still going strong. And there's people who've been, you know, there's people who've been with them, you know, for, uh, you know, through the starters and now no dunks for right. for 15 years. So Crazy, you know. crazy. Right. Um, so what, like, what, like, what were you, like, what did you think you were getting into? And, like, how is that, how is your... Uh, you know, what you talk about change from what you thought you were going to be talking about. Oh, man, that's interesting because I've had a lot of like, and I've wanted to go down this path a lot of having non-basketball podcasts, like podcasts about self-development, mindset. I've had interesting people like battle rappers on and 
and all kinds of like crazy things. But so I did never thought I would go down that path, but I guess it's like an interesting way, like kind of like how you just talk about how you want to talk about. It. I think that's the most important thing when it comes to podcasts, like and just have conversations with who you want to have them with. Um, but yeah, so my initial thoughts was I really wanted to get into like play by play and color commentary. And I thought that this was the best path because I could start it on my own. Like, even though it's not the same thing, I was communicating to people and just working on, you know, speaking, you know, pretty much and having conversations. But as I went through it, like I really enjoyed the process of having great conversations with people such as yourself and so many other great people. And um, I kind of fell in love with it and just put, entertaining people like whether it's basketball or having conversations, I really always enjoyed entertaining people. And um, it's just been amazing. And it created so many great opportunities for myself. That's that, that's kind of the, 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 the dirty secret about doing like these kind of podcasts is it's really it's just like, you know, who'd be you know, you know, who'd be neat to hang out with for half an hour. Exactly. Maybe maybe they'll come exactly. on my podcast and we can and we can just chop it up for a little bit. And that's exactly you know, that's the you know and the, the surprising number of people who will say yeah that sounds like fun it's like okay you right like <laughs> if you didn't have a podcast there'd be no reason for them to have that conversation and there'd be no real reason for you to have that conversation you know what i mean so yeah. it kind of like you could have all these conversations that you never would have had with all these great people it, it really is amazing so the, how so how is it uh, how has it evolved over the years your, both your pod and then your, I imagine that you think you're better at it now than you are. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if you go back, I mean, they sound totally different than uh, the first one. Even, hey, like, even the intros are ridiculous. Like, I remember uh, Ben Taylor, as you know Ben, because yeah. I know he's, he, <laughs> you have a good relationship with Ben. He was, like, just kind of, like, poking fun at my high-powered intros. And everything and like i definitely got a lot better over the years and the the progression i think in podcasting in general lately has been like video i think people like podcasts were supposed to be audio in the beginning it was kind of supposed to be like radio 2.0 and i think it's now going away from that where you almost need a video component so i think that's been more of a focus lately on like putting no stuff out on no Instagram. time soon for me uh. <laughs> <laughs> i know that's not your thing because i remember like having seth on a few times like oh i don't see you seth yeah i think i'm just doing video today i, I think i'm just doing audio today <laughs> well so a lot of that is is you know if, if people have have heard the frequency with which my cats attack me when when i'm when we're doing oh, i've heard it seth i've heard yeah. it yeah <laughs> and now like during the summer like my kids like i'm at i'm at my office today but if i'm doing it at home and my the, the frequency with which my kids, especially my son, uh, would like to come say hi is, uh, yeah, it's, uh, so, all right. I, I feel like doing, doing like a pod, talking to people around the basketball has given you a, as you said, a very broad perspective on, yeah. on the game. So I, I don't even know how to ask the question, but like, you know, how has have those conversations shaped how you feel about the game? Like, what is your what do you, what do you think about the you know the modern game? Like, the, you know, both NBA and elsewhere. I mean, I, I've enjoyed watching like TBT over the last couple of weeks. Oh yeah, me like, too. Yeah, there was two great games this past weekend, like yeah. in a row, and I yeah. think they were the semifinals. Those were yeah. great. And then the, yeah. the finals, not so much because the, the the Buffalo alums were just better. But. Right, 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 man. Um, to your to answer your question now i have so many like because obviously i mean i look at the game so different and i thought i knew so much playing all those years overseas playing all those years in new york city um listening to basketball content reading basketball books i'm an avid reader i don't know if many people know that about me i don't talk about it much on social but i'm like i read a lot and um i just learned like i didn't realize how much i had to like like that more i could learn about the game like you never know, you never know everything and everybody you meet i know there's that quote that everybody you meet knows something that you don't know but just like even having like even hearing like um an analytic perspective such as yourself you know and there that's changed the way i look at the game even when i'm like playing pickup like that's not a high value shot i never would have thought about <laughs> i never would have thought about stuff like that like I, you know, I, I think you would have thought about it. You probably wouldn't have thought about it. Like you wouldn't have known how to put that that like words on. I think like exactly, yeah, exactly. Definitely um, broaden my vocabulary when it comes to the yeah. game of basketball, which allows you which allows you to be a better podcaster. But yeah. you know, just 
yeah, like getting all these different perspectives has made my perspective on the game so much different. And then also developing relationships with like people that work in the NBA and work around the world teaching basketball. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question, but it definitely brought in my perspective. Yeah, it does. I, you know, I, I, I like to hear you talked about people in the NBA and people around the world. Cause I think that, you know, in this here, it's like, there's the, well, college or NBAs, the, it, it, but it seemed like, you know, there are people who prefer college basketball for reasons. Uh, the people who say it's better basketball are crazy, but that's not here nor there. You could enjoy it more, but don't say it's better. Anyway, it's <laughs> the, 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 but the notion that like the NBA is basketball is like as for as much as all of my work is like sort of in and around the NBA, just because of that's kind of where the stuff is. Like. Just broadening out and saying, like, yeah, you I mean you talked about sort of the, the the street ball and 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 that culture, and then you know you've got the Drew League, and then you've got right, you right. know, you, you've got the the summer programs, which are just different things. You had like you know Dejounte Murray coming out the other day and saying, hey guys, let's play in these, you know, let's get out right, here right, right, right. But then there's then there's like you mentioned how the overseas game is so different in a number of ways, and like Olympic basketball and NBA basketball are different. So like. I don't know. Just just having that 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 having that perspective of the whole world of basketball. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think when like people think of the NBA, they think of that it's like the NBA. My like in some ways, it's not even real, right? It's almost like an entertainment product. Well, it's completely, no, it's completely an entertainment. Product. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it, that's not what I it, when I think about the word basketball. I don't really think about the NBA. Um, like to me, European basketball is more like all about the wins and the losses, right? So I, I think I think of that as basketball just as much as I would like American basketball. College basketball is a whole different subject, and I think we have to like in terms of rules, we have to get more uniform with the professional league. In my opinion, like it, it it's like the rules and like just the way the game is played is so archaic at the college level. So I mean, it's you know it, that's a function of, I mean, the, 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 essentially the college game is so overcoached. Yes, I mean, in old ways, like we shouldn't be running like for practices like fifty suicides anymore. Like we learned a lot about player development and skill development and rest and recovery and how each player should be treated as an individual. Like they put these kids through like these generic programs and. I was actually having a conversation about this today. Like a lot of them become less athletic over the course of a college season than when they got in, which is crazy. They're a year more mature and a year older. So something isn't right there. So it's, it's because they're, I mean, uh, yeah, I think it's, it, there might be also something that a lot of the, probably some of the spontaneity has been, been, been drained out of them. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. And this is this is my opportunity to take uh, uh, unveiled shots at Wisconsin basketball. But there you go. Yeah, I mean, like, look, look what we're seeing. Look what we're seeing. Like the flashes of Paulo and Chet. Like Chet's never going to play with another guy like Timmy, right? Um, he's never going to play in a system like Gonzaga. And we see what uh, like point forward Paulo looks like, right? Like we couldn't we couldn't see a lot of this at the college level. We saw some of it from Paulo, but it's just like it's so hard to like. It's apples and oranges. It's total apples and oranges in terms of skill level and just like the ecosystem of those two levels. Yeah, I just something you said earlier. This is this is you know. You're, you, thank you for letting me get my soapbox out. But I'll, but I feel like <laughs> how many players has the movie Hoosiers damaged over the years? <laughs> explain, explain. Because because people look at like okay, it, in a self-contained story, it makes sense. That's fine. How many people look at Norman Dale? Look at Gene Hackman's character and is like, yeah, that's a coach. Oh my God. You know? Yeah, yeah. it's like, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, as you said, like, it just kind of takes the creativity out of the game. And as an, it's crazy, like, as an analytic guy, like, nobody would think that you would say that, right? That you're like, Super high on creativity and uh, a lot of misconceptions about yeah. you. Seth. So let me. Let, so let, I, I can give an example of this from. So I wasn't. I was not a. I was not a good. I was a. I, I rode the bench in college, but we were a good Division three team, and we would. We were one of the probably the two or three best programs in our conference. And there was one other school that would that we you know we got them sometimes, but probably pretty even talent wise. But they probably won two thirds of the games against us. 
and we it was because we kind of we had a system that yeah. we stuck to. And then yeah. we'd play we'd play like we'd play in a summer league, and we'd play against the same this us against them same players, and we'd kick their ass every time. And after the game, they'd be like, "You guys weren't where you were supposed to be." <laughs> you know, it's like they yeah. were so used to just you know when we played them in like a league game. You know, we'd we'd run you know America's play screen to screen, or our best shooter would come off the down screen and get to the top of the floor, and his guy would just be sat down in a defensive stand with a stick hand up and like, yeah, go ahead and shoot over me, but I'm here because they just knew what was coming, and then we we would uh, you know get into a more free flowing environment, and all of a sudden you know the the creativity takes over, and they didn't they they didn't know where to find us. Yeah, it's I mean. We've seen some of the great players and how their basketball upbringing was like conducive to creativity and what that did for them, like Pistol Pete all the way to like LaMelo Ball. Like if they were coached differently, they might not be where they were at, you know, where they got to. I mean, so it just is what I mean. And there is like benefits to some people who had the structure that helped them get to a certain level, too. So no two people's journeys are the same, you know. Well, I think that's the that's the mark of really what the great player is. Like you, I mean, you talked about the guys that you played with in the ABA who there was a reason, right? And it right. was they weren't good enough to play without structure, and they weren't willing to accept structure, and so uh-huh, that's yeah. why that's why. So you have to actually earn the right to to you well, know, so, like some people are the some people are the soloist, some people are the are the backup band. Right, right. It's crazy because as a soloist, that's the toughest way to make the NBA, especially now, right? Like if you're a structured guy, it's a lot easier to make the NBA than um, as a soloist. Like look at Mike James, like he he's a soloist type player. And that's why he's not in the NBA because he doesn't fit an NBA role. He doesn't fit next to stars like a 6A, 3 and D guy can, right? Who might not have the same... Uh, same talent as a creator like Mike James, but he just fits so well next to those star guys. So that, yeah. yeah, and there's, I mean, you, you know, Shane Larkin and 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 yeah. uh, and, and uh, uh, yeah, Brian Roberts, right, right, uh, right. like that's a player type, like that that exactly. like sort of that like small college bucket getter combo guard, like right. There, there's there are, there's going to be few of them who are good enough to make that work in the NBA. Who become like Lou Williams or something like that, but. Well, it's crazy what Isaiah Thomas did for that like few years, yeah. right? That's kind of I mean, like, crazy. I mean, apparently, if you never miss a shot, um, it's good. You're good. <laughs> That's, that is, there were a couple seasons where he just like didn't matter how tough the shot was; he just kind of made shots. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how that that sort of trumps everything. Yeah, Julius Randle had a season like that not too long ago. Yeah, he did. Um, <laughs> I think. I think that that I mean Julius. Uh, so, are you? A, did you grow up as a Knicks fan? Speaking of Julius Randle, did you? Um, you know what? Like my dad loved the Knicks, but I was really like, it's crazy. I was more of a fan of players. Like I, like I grew up like liking Michael Jordan and Pistol Pete, which is kind of random because Pistol Pete was before my time. But I used to like watch those homework basketball videos. Like I wasn't really a fan of teams even back then. I mean, I did like the Bulls because of Michael Jordan. But to answer your question, no, I wasn't a Knicks fan, but my dad was, and we used to go to Knicks games. <laughs> so you you you've not been afflicted by the uh, nah, yeah, nah. but I mean it's it's. There have been crazy since I've been a kid. Like everything's been so crazy with them. So you, so okay, you're you're a fan of players. So who are some of the players today that like you really respond to? Oh, Luka Doncic for sure, Anthony Edwards for sure. And I know they're so different, but um, those two players I really respond to. Um, have you yeah. seen any? Of the, have you seen any of the photos of Luka coming out this summer? Yeah, man, he looks like uh, he looks like a few years younger and a lot lighter. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not gonna lie. I'm actually. I'm actually like. I thought this about Kevin Love back in the day. Like when he got super skinny, I actually thought it might have hurt his game a little bit. We saw that with LeBron a little bit at one point, right? Yeah. And yeah. So I'm. I'm. I'm wondering because you know, while it like there's certain things like getting lighter, like it might you know it's probably gonna help his explosiveness a little bit, maybe his conditioning a little bit. Is that gonna gain enough? Like he's still gonna be, you know, below median NBA wing athlete. Even with, yeah. with, and but if he and if he gets that like ability to just like shrug guys off, if that goes away, I wonder if that if that hurts him at all, or the fact that he can hold up for forty eight minutes means that even if like on a per possession basis he's a little bit less effective, it still I, comes out better in the wash. I feel like what we know about Luca's lifestyle that like he's not gonna. I, I think maybe like somewhere in between, <laughs> somewhere in between what he is now and what he was. 
uh, is like a good way for him. I don't think he stays this skinny. Like it doesn't even yeah. look natural, right? Like right. when you see certain guys at a certain weight, you're like, that's not even real. Like that's water weight or something. Like that's gonna come back real quick. Yeah. That's well, that's, that would that that would be like Giannis coming back in the gym after an off season every year. Right. He would come back looking just like an absolute tank every year, and it would be like, oh, that is. That Too is, much? You, like it was like you think you think he was a little stiff in the beginning of the season? No, it's just it was like it was just it was it was he wasn't stiff. It would just like it was really just the start of training camp, and it would it would come off pretty fast in training camp because of you know how much of a worker he is. But he would come back and he would come back in the gym and he'd look like he's about two eighty and not like fat, like two eighty and like like Mike Bibby. Like those you know those photos of Mike Bibby now where where it's just like Oh wow. my god, he he played he played at the TBT not too long ago. I think like last year, maybe. Yeah. Yo, he he looked ridiculous. Like yeah. He's jacked. <laughs> yeah. And so that would be like Giannis would come back kind of looking like that and be like, oh my. And then, you know, two weeks later, he'd be, you know, back back down closer to, you know, regular season. But but that that's sort of, I think that's sort of what you mean is sometimes like yeah. <clears throat> off season, you know, whatever isn't the same as in season. Right. I mean, when your face kind of looks like like sucked in a little bit, it usually yeah. shows that like that's not really naturally who you are. Like it, it don't even look right at times, you know. And uh, I just feel like he'll gain some of that back. Yeah. But I mean, it, he can't get as big as he was coming into last season because that's no bueno. Yeah. yeah. Um. So who are, are there? You know, to go the other way, like if you have likes, you have dislikes. Are there guys that you just you just like? Okay, he's good, but he's not for me. Wow. Um. Wow, it's crazy. Jason Tatum is one of those guys, surprisingly right. or not. Like, I'm just not as high on him as everybody else was, so, and that's it's been like that for years now. But now, obviously, now he's like made the championship, uh, made the finals as the best player. So, what can I really say? You know? No, let's. <laughs> I think that I think let's talk about that because I think that that ties in a little bit with you know, um, this is uh, you know uh, you know Dave, our, our mutual friend Dave Dufour, and. Uh, and PD Webb, if you if you if you follow him, like the, the term they like to use is, is academy brain, and you know the spontaneity that we're talking about, like that that's maybe something that's a little bit lacking, I would say from from Tatum. Right. I mean, it's so hard. Like so, like there's so many. Like we grew up playing basketball, right, Seth? So we know the perspective of being one of the best players in the world. So at times, it's like hard to like nitpick these guys when you've been through the channels of basketball yeah. i think people that haven't been through the channels could nitpick the world's greatest players like more effortlessly if that makes sense yeah because you know what i mean but like i guess we're nitpicking here so like yeah like all the tough twos was was always annoying to me like the lack of burst was annoying to me like i never really thought he, his game had like great flow if that made sense no i think like, everything it's i think programmed. a little rigid yeah, yeah. a little rigid a little rigid like, it's almost like a video game. Press this button, mm-hmm. he does this. Press that button, he does that. You know? Where's the jump stop button? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like, you know, I've talked about the, like, during the finals. Like, that was the one, like, instead of these flying out of bounds layups, all right, jump stop at the front of the rim and go up over a guy. Like, yeah. And what do you feel like? I don't feel like he effortlessly gets by people and finishes above the rim. Like, in the half court, it's always like a tough two or some kind of move or a step back that's not needed. Almost yeah. like he's over drilled. I think it's a little of that, and I think there there may have been a little something to you know there, him being somewhat tired because you do remember like you remember back to the bubble like one of the was one of the biggest plays of the the conference finals in the bubble was like he tried to dunk on Bam and it was great defensive play by Bam to to block right him. right but right. like. How often does do you do we even see him try that now in like the half court? Yeah, no, he doesn't try it as much anymore. I mean, also he is doing a better job of like penetrating and kicking and finding the open yeah. man and some oh, like cross court reads that he wasn't doing before, which allowed them to actually all of them actually started to like move the ball a little bit quicker. Like that's what allowed them to get to the finals, right? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, his 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 ability to dissect in a pick and roll, I think, was something that that really did take a step forward this year. Um, and yeah. that, and that, I think that was a like as you say, that was a big part of of Boston, um, getting getting to where they did. No, it's, I I think it's you know I think it's it's always fair to to say you know to make the distinction between like he's good, he's just not for me. I think that's fair. Hey, yeah, I think that yeah, I think that's a great point. Yeah, like I I'm, like there there like I've there's a while where I kind of fought against the he's good part, but I'm kind of that I'm kind of there with. <laughs> I mean he, he he I mean just from like. 
you got to say he's good because yeah. he was the best player on a team that made the final. I mean, no, I, yeah, I was, I, I was, I was talking about Trey Young. Trey Young is a guy who I, oh, I, took, I yeah. took a while he's to a, get to. He, he's a polarizing uh, yeah. topic. Yeah, because you know it's like revolving offense around that type of player and to win a championship is extremely tough when that player um, can't do anything on defense. However, what he does as a talent at his size, and he's not the greatest athlete, is absolutely remarkable. I mean, he that's also gets into sort of the, the Steve Nash athleticism thing too. Like in some ways, all right, he's not a he's not a he's not really anything of a vertical athlete. But in right. terms of like, is he fast? Like, I'll ask you, do you think he's fast? So that, honestly, that was my my biggest concern about him coming out of college. Was is he going to be able to get by people? Yeah, yeah. Like I don't and know then, if he's fast. Like I, I don't know if he's fast, but he's 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 shifty and he's faster than you think. And that's okay, kind of like, all that matters. I think, I think like I would have to actually be on the court with him to realize if he's fast or not because I don't I can't tell like watching like uh, like you know this was always back in the day there was always sort of the litmus test of do you know what you're talking about or someone's like how do you let Andre Miller beat you. It's like <laughs> right, right, right. All right, he's 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 not fast, but he's faster than you think, and he and he gets you going the wrong way, and then he's faster than you think, and he's by you. And, and right, like if you have the Andre Miller thing, and you're fast, yeah, that's incredible, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's and that, I think that's I think that's sort of why I've always responded more to Ja than to uh, yeah. I mean, so like Ja is a guy who has elite feel. Like people think about athleticism when they think of Ja, but I just think about like. Passing ability, feel, IQ, you know, surveying the floor like a true point guard in every sense of the word. And then you add on top of that all that, like, elite athleticism. Ja Moran is the real deal, in my opinion. So let's – I think you, you brought up, a, like, you know, we uh, probably the last thing we can talk about because you, you've, you've – I've kept you I've kept you about 45 minutes already. But I think you talked about – this is something that, that, I, that I've – thought about a lot. And I think we talked about it a little bit on your pod uh, a couple weeks ago, but you're talking about that, like one central guy. Like, yeah. What I've, I've sort of wondered, first of all, from the standpoint of the other guys on the floor, but then the standpoint of that guy also, like our teams, you know, you mentioned that the NBA is sort of being unreal and, it, and it, in a way it's kind of like trying to, to mechanize, trying to industrialize the process of, you know, creating buckets and, and wins and stuff like that. That seems like one of those almost like spreadsheet optimization things that, you know, yeah. maybe goes too far. Yeah. I think like the Hawks even realized that with signing DeJounte Murray, right? Like another guy who could handle the ball, like just revolving everything around Trey Young is not going to lend its hand to a, a championship level team. Like, do you know how good this guy would have to be for them to win a championship if they revolved the whole offense around him? And on top of that, it's, you have to defy the odds when you play like that because not, you need certain type of players that could that don't need the basketball to get in the flow and rhythm, and that's rare, right? Right. Like, you play basketball, Seth. Like, if you don't touch the ball for, for like, ten times down the court, your defense probably won't be as good. When you do get the basketball, you won't be in rhythm. So that guy has to be so good, and you almost have to have a perfect fit to win that way. Like, you could, you could defy the odds and do it if you have, like, a LeBron and a Luka, right? Maybe those two guys. But outside of that, it's going to be tremendously tough to win a championship. Yeah. No, and there's – I mean, I think there's a reason why, like, someone who's taken the path of a P.J. Tucker or a Danny Green yeah. are the guys who, who sort of can fill that role of just sort of, I'm going to defend and stand in the corner. Because I've I've done the other thing, I've you know I've played in I've played in Lebanon I've played in wherever else. And, yeah, I mean uh, yeah, I mean PJ <laughs> Tucker they they love PJ Tucker in Israel when I first get there. They were talking about him like crazy because he actually uh, with a smaller club beat Maccabi Tel Aviv in a championship. He's been a winner for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> but the, but also just the degree he was like okay well I can do this and be over here or right if I want to if I want to be you know this is this is one thing um, both from a you know, I would I would probably prefer to be in the NBA, both for financial I mean, and other reasons. And what Seth, Seth I mean, those sneakers are expensive, so you know, <laughs> he, he fit a role, and now he can yeah. buy as many as he wants. <laughs> well, I mean, but it, it, I mean, it's not just that. But as you mentioned, like it's it's sort of, there's also some some lifestyle things. This is you know, I used right, to right. I used yeah, to when true. I lived in Minnesota, I used to play in a pickup game that had with that had some like overseas pros in it, and like. Like one of the older guys who was there, like, would was constantly like 
coaching up the some of the younger guys who were just going over kind of for the first time. Not about anything basketball, but about oh, man, living. Yeah. And, you're, and, yeah. Living. you're in isolation. Seth. Yeah. Like, a lot of times you're in isolation when you're out there because you don't have any real friends and you don't have family and it's like you need like you need to love basketball to play overseas no matter how much because you're sacrificing a lot did did you ever um this uh, um he was a guy who who played at the university of minnesota back in the day randy carter was the guy's name um okay. he's the guy's name I, um and and he and he also talked about like learning to like appreciate like where you are it's like oh man yeah i'm, I'm in rome yes <laughs> Like am I, I could be be alone, and or I could I'm in Rome. <laughs> like, did, like were there? Did yeah. you ever reach the point where you kind of were able to, um, you know, some of the opportunities that that like just living in another place and oh yeah, and, and and stuff like that. I was like those when I went to Denmark, which is like later in my career. Those exact thoughts were like in my head constantly. Like this is like I'm just walking down the street. Like this is a ridiculous opportunity to live in a foreign country, like I'm just playing basketball. That's all I do. Like I wake up when I want, I just play basketball. You know, they have the food ready for me in the, you know, and wherever I eat, like they have a guy driving me around and all I got to do is just play basketball. And I live in this foreign country. This is an opportunity I never would have got if I didn't play basketball and I'm just going to enjoy the day, you know, enjoy my time living in this small town in Denmark, which I never would have knew existed if I didn't play the game. And I, as I got, like, I, I was all basketball. Well, I was always all basketball. But earlier in my career, it was just, like, thinking about the season, thinking about this, thinking about the money or the contract next year. And it definitely got more like that as I got older, just appreciating where I'm at. And I think that's, like, I, I sort of feel like that's, that's, you know, something that a lot of people do. You know, it's, I think it's sort of natural in your career no matter what, right? Yeah. You, you kind of, you, you learn, like, some people never really get off that that like and those are the people those people sometimes end up at the top but those are also the people who like burn out and or you know you read about them becoming maniacs and you know the uh, expose on how they've mistreated everyone who works for them like comes out like there's a thing about like the michigan hockey coach that just came out i mean yeah like even like this podcast right here is a part of my journey and if you want to call it media or whatever you want to call it is that i do like i'm enjoying this because this is part of the journey to wherever I have to go. And you know what I mean? Like yeah, you should always absolutely. enjoy the moment which you're in, you know? Definitely. No. And I, I think that, you know, just getting the opportunity to, to talk to people, learn new things. It's, uh, yeah. um, I, th- I think that was, you know, um, I, certainly writing the book, like, like helped, like, okay, here's some things I, I'm going to write about this. I think I know about that. Let me start to research it. I know nothing about this. Let me put that aside and learn more about that later. And I will, and I haven't read the book yet. I will read the book, Seth. Guaranteed. I am not assigning you homework. <laughs> I'm an avid reader, and this is yeah. a book that is on the list, so I will read it. <laughs> um, oh, I want to ask you a question, though. Yes, before, before we get out of here, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been a guest a lot, but you know, I'm more of a host, so I always have to become the host at some point. But anyway, um, you have so much on your plate, Seth. So, like, with Stats Bomb and um, with uh, Nerder, she wrote. Shouts to all those guys and. Um, you obviously recently written a book, and on top of all that, you have a family. What compelled you to start this podcast, which is like a solo podcast, just yourself with guests? Um, I mean, it, it was uh, you know, um, Colin basically reached out to me and said, "Hey, uh, do a, wow, you want to start a podcast?" And it's like, it's like, well, what do you want me to talk about? He's like, I don't know, just talk to your friends and record the conversation. Wow! So that that's like, cool. Yeah, that's no, it's cool. like okay, yeah, that sounds like that sounds like fun. Like, yeah, I can do that. Um, it's just, it's, yeah. you know, um, I think the, the, I think that was a change that coming out of working for the Bucks, um, that was so mono-focused for, for several years that I've just been in the habit of, for the last couple of years, just saying yes a lot. Yeah. Sounds- you know, you know, it's, it's crazy because a lot of people I know that work in the NBA, I mean, it's not the glory that people might think it is. It's oh. not as fun as people might think it is because it's almost like, like, it's like a a lot of people just want to get out of it. To be honest, I would never say any names, but like, it's almost like you're on like a treadmill, you know? Mm -hmm. No, there's a, it's funny. There's a couple of people who are listening right now who were just my students at SBC and this, you know, they, people say they want to like get into, you know, working, 
you know, in, in sports analytics or something like that. Like the first thing that I tell them to ask themselves, Preston, uh, I see you there. Um, <laughs> it's like, okay, okay. Ask yourself first: Is do I want to work in sports, or do I want to? Do I need to work for a team? And right. think about what that is, because those are two very different questions. Because of a little bit what you're talking about, like there is a there is a a sort of a a self sacrificial monofocus, which has rewards at the end at at, at times. But you got to be honest with yourself whether like. You know the competitive aspect of, of it is uh, is food enough for you to, to make up for some of the other stuff, and there's no right or wrong answer. You just have to be honest with yourself about that. And I think yeah. what happens is a lot of people like think it is, and they get in it, and it's like this actually isn't enough. It's like you know, it's not like this is not as fulfilling as I thought it would be. As cool as the opportunity is, yeah, and like just to like this kind of like goes back to like our in the moment, um, yeah. Uh, it's conversation like it's kind of got to be like a day by day thing that fulfills you, not like some destination. I mean, I know this is getting like real phil- philosophical right now, but I think also like now, you, like Seth, I think it's probably more enjoyable for you to make your own schedule, which you definitely couldn't do while you were with the Bucks, right? Like <laughs> I can record this podcast now. I can go with Nerder there. I can write the book now. Like, isn't that? I mean, I would never rule out working with an NBA team myself, but I just think that sounds like a lot more fun to me when you kind of make your own schedule. Yeah, no, and I think, and I think you know, just uh, also just knowing what it is. I think you probably have, even though you haven't done it, you probably have a, you probably have a good sense of what it is. So you would know, like, there are some some things that would be worth it for you to do, and other things that wouldn't be. Right, right. Being being a part of a team is you're not on your own schedule. Yeah. It's a huge sacrifice. I mean, obviously there's strength in numbers and you can do great things, but yeah. It's, and, but and you're being not a part of a team is awesome and that's the thing I think we yeah. all miss like when our right, right, sports right. days are over. Right, like, right, right. You know, exactly. I I haven't been on a competitive team in in you know, as a as a as an athlete in I don't know, close to 20 years. They got to have some thirty and over leagues for you out there. Oh, man, I no I'm, I am I am 100% retired. I have the uh, <laughs> Like I might get on the court and shoot, but I, I don't think I'm ever I don't think I'm ever getting in the stance again. <laughs> oh man, nobody plays nobody wanted to play the defense. Well, some people just not me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I think that's a good note to end on the the, the no defense podcast uh, with uh, Andrew with Andrew Combo Solop, not Andrew Fungus Head Solop. Uh, uh, one more time, if you want to tell people where they can find you and and, and your pod before I let you get out of here and. Uh, Man, this was so much fun. I've been looking forward to this, and it, uh, it's been great. It's always great talking basketball with you. Thanks so much for having me on your platform. You can catch me on uh, Twitter at Combos Court, which is the same name as my podcast. You can spell that C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. You can listen to that wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can catch me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo, O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Put a lot of fun content up there. But, uh, Seth, thanks again, man. I appreciate you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on, and thanks for listening, folks. I'm back tomorrow with uh, Raheem Palmer of The Ringer to uh, switch from this very philosophical conversation to uh, <laughs> talk gambling uh, about on the NBA. So <laughs> very, very different things. But uh, th- thanks for listening, and uh, thanks. thanks. Uh, take care and talk to you all later. Cheers.